This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. So, Gav, just a couple of um, house rules here, mate. Just going yep. on your other show, just just no mention of um, the word <laughs> arsehole or anal probing. If I, you can, can help I, it. Can, I can keep all that. Uh, look, to be honest, we're talking about unforgiven to Clint Eastwood. I would never like, disrespect the man <laughs> in, in any way by saying stuff like that, so don't worry about it. So, yeah, so just thought I'd say that. That's all. <laughs> uh, I keep swearing to, to minimum as well, so it's not a problem. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, man. It's Dan. The thing is, Dan just gets really drunk. And I have to, like, just be like a referee to, like, this drunken football match where it's just one player. Yeah, that, that yeah, I do get that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he just does. Uh... I have to rein him in. I have to actually uh, lasso him in. Like, come on. <laughs> he's, he's dragging it down. Yeah. Oh, dear. Right, let's do this then, man. Okay. Let's, uh... let's do it. Right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I could be taking you guys back to the year in 1992 to look at Clint Eastwood's uh, cult classic Western Unforgiven. And joining me on the show today is a fellow podcast host, uh, Gav Chucky Still from the podcast on Haunted Hill. Gav, how you doing, man? Welcome to Hello. the Hello! <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, I'm really uh, happy to be on here. Uh, I'm fine. Um, yeah. You know, just doing the same COVID stuff as everyone is. So, yeah. Well, I think How we are. You? Yeah, and no, I'm good, yeah. man. Doing the same as well. Just getting through 2020. Um, I'm just waiting for something like uh, Alien Invasion or Godzilla to turn up for the summer. What What, what do you want to be turn up? We could, you could, like, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man could turn up or Ooh. Bigfoot or, you know, what would you like to turn up? King yeah. Kong, you know. Uh, yeah, I'd say something like Godzilla. Yeah, Probably, yeah. Um, Probably a big man in a suit or something like that, how they used to do it in, <laughs> in those days. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be really weird, though? First of all, you're like, oh, no, it's an invasion of a really big monster. Then all of a sudden they just take the suit off. Oh, no, it's a really big human. <laughs> yeah, it takes takes his um, head off like Scooby-Doo style or something That's like that. It. It's only like just it. me. That's and, it's it actually, and it's Donald Trump. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anyway... We should talk about this incredible man that I've not talked about on any podcast, and I'm so happy to talk about Clint Eastwood with you, man. And you, you, I think you and Dan, I think would be like the perfect people to chat Clint Eastwood with. Yeah, I, I know think, um, he's a staple of us growing up. When you think, because I, I, I've listened to your show for a while now, Gavin, and I'm figuring you're probably about the same age as me, mate. You're in your forties, so. Yeah, uh, Clint Eastwood was a regular, wasn't he, on TV? You know, I, I grew up. I grew up on Hammer horror movies, which I discovered myself, and Clint Eastwood movies that my dad introduced me to. My dad introduced me to this movie, and a few years ago, I got it on Blu-ray, and I gave him my DVD copy, and I he went, oh, he watched it, and goes, oh, I like that movie, and I was like, you've seen it, you introduced me to it, and he, I think he'd forgotten. <laughs> um, 
I grew up on Clint Eastwood because it was at that point Saturday nights. It was every which way but loose, or yeah. there was always a Clint Eastwood movies. I never really liked those movies with the orangutan or Clive. Did you not? Um, oh. No, I was always like the westerns or Dirty Harrys. That was that was my thing, you know. Dirty Harry, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, he's yeah. you know yeah. he's a proper badass, and I would say he's probably the man with no name in a police outfit isn't he really he's the same sort of character isn't he really it, it's you know when you when you get a certain person like you get danny die you know you're gonna get danny oh, die yes. you, you, i don't know what i'm putting danny die because he should next to each hey, other mate, but, hey, mate, anyway. how many shots did i fire was it six or five or whatever in it he's <laughs> got a beer in his hands yeah i'm a geezer and oh, all. let's see if unforgiving could be remade with danny die oh my no. god <laughs> could you imagine that <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. I'm going to kill you. That would be <laughs> I'm a <awful>. geezer. <laughs> um, but Clint Eastwood, you, you know you're going to get Clint Eastwood yeah. with Clint Eastwood, but he's such a badass. It's like, mm. I thought, after watching, it's funny, watching this movie as a uh, kind of a reviewer, as a paint, taking notes down, I watched it totally different, as I always do with films. And it was, I thought, okay, the three points where he is... You, the Clint we like is when he's got his gun with a hot dog in his mouth and he's pointing at that dude on the streets of San Francisco and Dirty Harry and he says, you know, make my day. That speech, then it's going to be this speech at the end of this film. Um, and then you've got, right, I think, the speech when he's got the gun um, in Gran Torino uh, at the kids. I've only seen that movie once, so it's hard to remember. Yeah, that's and there's it. A certain points where he just, it's him looking with his, the way he slints his eyes. Mm -hmm. he, he points the gun and he grits his teeth and he says like the words and you just go, oh, fuck. He's not, he's not Schwarzenegger. He's not a physical, muscular uh, a character which is obviously uh, uh, something you go oh my god if they walked into a pub like oh he isn't that but when Clint turns it on fucking hell it, it just makes him okay that's Clint Eastwood you're getting Clint Eastwood and you want Clint Eastwood yeah you know? that's it ever come across a guy you might have just fucked with once in a while or something like that isn't it do you know what I mean he just oh yeah he, I wrote he, down some of his lines so I'm, probably, I'm gonna do some bad impressions as we go <laughs> along but he's like you say it's a good point what you with Clint Eastwood, when you know he's in a film, you know what you're going to get. That's no yeah. discredit to him, but I wouldn't no. really want him to do anything else. Do you know what I mean? No, because you exactly. He's—he's he's one of those um, actors who is—he is typecast, I guess, but in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Because Absol he will absolutely. It's yeah. almost like you could take Clint Eastwood and put him in into any situation, like stranded on a desert island. You can imagine yeah. how he'd be. He'd be like Clint Eastwood as he usually is. Do you know what I mean? Imagine like Clint Eastwood in Die Hard, the original <laughs> one. I, I could. I could. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. hippie Kaye, motherfucker. But, but, when, but what I do like with the Westerns thing is just because when he worked with Sergio, um, uh, who's, yeah. who's passed away recently, didn't he, Sergio Leone? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're all passing away now, aren't they? You know, Unfortunately. And I, I don't want to say any bad word on Clint Eastwood and that, anything like that, but, you know, he is getting on a bit now. Mm. Well, they but, are, uh, aren't they? Uh, they are. It's, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, he, he sort of obviously when he went over to... He was doing like rawhide and stuff, which is quite funny that he wears them boots. Did you see the uh, trivia? The yes, boots that, he wears those yeah. in this movie, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which kind of bookends his uh, Western career because he has not done a Western since this. No. And that was Rawhide was obviously a TV show which he started on. Um, uh, he went over, obviously trying to get a name for himself, went over to uh, Italy to work with its director. And the 
Sergio didn't really know how to uh, how the American Western protagonist was and, and how they would work and how they would they should be. So like, and Clint was like, I'm not going to tell him, and that's what came with this mystique of the man with no name and all this sort of stuff, like the way he is, kind of it because for Sergio, not really could totally understanding the American Western film, but uh, uh, doing his own version, the, the obviously the Spaghetti Western. Um, and Clint took that model and brought it back over and then made his thing with it. Yep. And started directing it. It's just like, fuck, that's just so amazing. And now we have this pinnacle character with those three points I just mentioned of his career. And people will try and copy that name. You get uh, thriller films with people with no name as a sort of protagonist going along, doing revenge in some lady that's been killed or something. And Well, it's, it's, um, it's a film you're going to cover soon, which is Escape from New York, isn't it? Kurt Russell. He is the man with no name, isn't he? Cause, Absolutely. Um, you're... That's a perfect example. He is, because um, when I re- when I watched Unforgiven in the nineties, I didn't like it, and I'm a fan of the western, but I just didn't. Something uh-huh. didn't right. Something didn't connect I, I, with me. I, I totally, I totally, I, I complete. I could probably tell you what it was. I expect it's it's well. We get to it like mm. the the fact that I man. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but this film I'm very passionate about. No, but you're like, fine. no, it's good. I like I like the passion. Let it, uh, yeah, let, no, let, I've, Gav, let it out. Let it all out. <laughs> I'm getting it because I've never talked about Clint Eastwood. I'm just like gushing here. Hey, I'm um, your podcast fr- uh, shrink, right? Just let it out, Gav. It's fine. Ah, I'll get a pop plant man. in here for you. <laughs> um, with with Clint, obviously, I've lost. I've done all. Oh yeah, no. Here we go. He he's not um, the because I can understand it. This film it kind of does run the sort of normal course, but mm-hmm. then you get. A point when you realise, and we're going to do spoilers, it's too hard not to talk about. Mm. You get to a point later on, which is like 15 minutes before the end of the film, you realise your protagonist you've been watching the whole time is a really, really, really bad person. Mm -hmm. And his line is, I've killed pretty much everything that's walked or crawled. Yeah. Wow. He's Mm. killed children and babies. Mm. Like He's killed everything and he doesn't give a shit. It's that, and you find out your the person you're kind of rooting for is a really, really, really bad person. And actually, from watching this review, Gene Hackman's character is like kind of like the uh, the sheriff, uh, but the main guy. Uh, he isn't a super bad guy. He's no, trying to keep law no, in his town. He's not. And that's the thing with this film is this that would have been what I think you weren't used to, and it's a little bit too left field for you. Yes, because um, you look at the other films I was watching at that time. So I was watching Young Guns. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was pretty much a good versus evil. Even though you know, uh, was it Billy the Kid in that film was a you know proper murdering bastard in real life. But um, yeah. as a movie, you could pretty much get the scope of good versus the bad guys, and that's pretty much what you get in the westerns, isn't it? And yeah. you have that with the other Clint Eastwood films, such as Power Rider, um, Highest Plains Drifter, which is I'd consider this now as a sort of trilogy. You could throw this one in with those. But it's, you know, when I watched it when I was younger, I, I couldn't connect with it because it's such a deep Western. But now I've yeah. revisited it now for this podcast. Yeah. I've gone, yeah. oh, right, okay. It's basically yeah. how the Wild West probably was. Do you know what I mean? There was probably yeah. a lot of bad stuff going on. And I, I, the other thing I was going to say is that 
everybody probably thought they was a good guy, but they were doing bad shit. Does that sort of make sense? So yeah, no absolutely. one really, there was that's the reason why they called it the Wild Western Outlaws and all that sort of stuff. And like you said, right, with Gene Hackman, sorry mate. Um, That's right. He, he wasn't. I was trying to sort of find a cause to say how bad he was, and it's. He's. <laughs> That's what makes this feel not. awkward. Does that make it. Yeah, I think you touched on that. It does make it feel awkward, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just. It's. I, uh, I couldn't remember when I started watching it. So in my head, Morgan Freeman um, got away and Clint Eastwood died. I mm. thought Clint died at the end of this film, and I haven't seen this probably for 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, watching it, watching it as a taking notes down was a completely new. It's like recently when I went to watch Aliens in the cinema. It was like a whole new experience. Oh yeah, this was, and this being now I'm old enough. I'm self-employed. I, uh, you know, I'm like you say, forties self-employed who has kids and has, do you know what I mean? I have to bring money in. I kind of understand a little bit more the mentality of him going, right, the hogs are getting ill. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need to make some money. I'm going to have to fucking do this. I I might not come back. Um, but I've got to try. Um, and I understood this more this time than I have ever, ever understood this film. Yep, that's right. And I've heard you mention that on your show with Dan. You know, you've mentioned stuff like yeah. that where you've gone, I watched this when I was younger, couldn't get it. Now I'm older in my 40s. I'm watching it as an adult in, in your 40s. You've, but you've had some life experience and now it's, I totally get this story. It's, it's the power of cinema mm. and how incredible stories are. Yeah. And that means that, how many more movies are we going to figure out when we get older? We'll probably watch, we'll probably watch Cocoon when we're like in our 70s. Yeah, that's the fucking classic, that one. Here, Gav, I'll be saying, God, doesn't Wilfred Brimley look young? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say, Gav, there's life for uh, Ghost of Mars still yet. Maybe I might get that movie one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, one other thing I'm going to mention is film, and this uh, I never ever it never was a thing for me before. The fact that Morgan Freeman, uh, it, the fact that it's a there's a black character in this, mm-hmm. never have I ever thought of this when watch this movie because I don't really have any prejudice anyway of any no. uh, no. colours. So I've never thought of it. This time watching it because of everything goes on now, and you kind of watch stuff which is a little bit older now, and you go, oh, that's a bit fucking bad. Oh, yeah. that's a, that sounds a bit rapey. Or, or the yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. which is said, which you're like, that's fucking bad now mm. watching it. This movie, I remembered that no the n-word or nothing like that was said. That like, you know, Tarantino with Django, that, that's just all oh, over the place there. But he, yeah, yeah, but obviously he's doing it for style, and I understand where he's coming from, but it's mm. fine. Um, but this i couldn't remember but I, sh- I was sure that that wasn't but i didn't know i didn't know if maybe the sign when he's dead at the end in the box said something of, of character of his color or something and I, was, I really wasn't sure someone said that i or this slight slur one of the people in the in the town or something but nothing whatsoever is mentioned and which which is brilliant and that's how films should be but i really would end his films even though they are really violent was the stuff i love the fact that uh, morgan free and because this was set in like 1871 i think it was or something 1880 like that. yeah you would imagine if this was actually then uh someone would have said something about the fact that this guy had a different uh, skin color to white you'd mm-hmm. imagine that that it never was brought up in this and i love that for this i was just ho- praying and hoping no one's gonna say anything and they didn't i was like no. that's so fucking cool um 
And that's just another little point I want to say. And we don't have to obviously mention it again because no one else needs to. So, you know. No, you're right. And that's it. And that, like you say, yeah. that, is, that is good storytelling or filmmaking or the way this has been exactly. put together, isn't it, by Clint Eastwood? And the other thing I like about it is the film score. I think the film score on it is incredibly good as well. You know, it just yeah. goes at a nice t- sort of pace. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what works kind of like a score in this is the uh, the rain and thunder. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, it's just set design, but it kind of just emulates like it's kind of like Jurassic Park when it cuts out of music, for, uh, no score for like twenty minutes. You've got basically thunder and lightning, and then T Rex comes on. It's that sort of thing, but instead T Rex, you've got Clint Eastwood, which is just as bad as T Rex, or not probably worse <laughs> actually. The other thing they said as well, you'll probably appreciate this, is some of the um, shots in this with the camera angles, yeah, especially, especially at the beginning, where you've got yeah. the, I think it's like a sunset coming down and you've got like uh, some writing comes up, doesn't it, saying about money and his wife and all that sort of stuff, which I'll get into later with the review. But they did say, um, when I was doing some trivia on this, is this, this starts how a movie would end, if that kind of makes sense. So the beginning of the movie would actually be the closing credits. And they actually said it's like the closing credits to um, Power Rider or Highest Plains Drifter, yeah, which is it, kind of it, how it kind of pans out. Yeah, one of his films, the opening shot is the exact same copy. Uh, yeah. It's the Highest Plains Drifter. Oh, yeah, opens and closes the same location, camera, angle, mm. and time of day. So they've really got the yeah. same light. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's also the same as uh, another film we did called Outlaw, Josie Wells. Uh-huh. So he's a farmhand, he's a retired, I think he's a retired um, Confederate soldier or something like that. I think that's it, yeah. I, was, I remember seeing that with my dad a long time yeah. ago. And he's yeah. actually having to retrieve his gun from the burnt out house, from all the ashes and right. stuff like that. But again, there's some really nice, and like I say, you appreciate this, um, you know, being a director and all that, you know, some really nice shots and stuff like that. Clint, Clint, uh, as uh, as a good actor as Clint is, um, uh, he is a director as well, and he's an actor's director as well, but he has an eye for shots. He, he'll get down mm. low and be like, yeah, the shots got to go from here. Because I watched the making of this, which is narrated by Hal Halbrook. Oh, really? God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was weird. It was like, is this supposed to be? It's very, like, it was shot on, like, a tape. Uh, and it's like almost like a promo. It's on the Blu-ray. It's almost like a promo that comes with it. But it kind of goes through lots of key points of the film and says, at this point here, look here. And it just goes, and it's kind of tells you kind of like almost audio descriptive if you're really wow. short It's really weird because it's like, it's not a promo because you're pretty much telling me what's going on in the movie. But <laughs> well, I think it's I, really interesting. When I think of Hal Holbrook, I think of the father in uh, The Fog. Captain yeah, Drake's it, gold. Mm. He has got yeah, a great or, voice. Mm. Or Creepshow One. Oh yeah, the, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, watching Clint direct it, it's great. This 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 sounds like I'm giving myself a massive uh, uh, ego trip here. But um, my director's style is the same as Clint Eastwood's, and uh, it's not at all because my directing still could be awful. But as in Clint um, is very much a person who um, just kind of lets the actors play the scene and find the scene themselves then go into it because he's an actor himself and he kind of understands what they need to find it right. um reading his biography many moons ago he does very very small limited takes um the reason was he had more creative control 
over the producers when they were sitting in the editing bay and they would be like, right, oh, oh this is rubbish. Cut to another one. He'd be like, oh, I've only got those two takes. Sorry. Right. And he, he did that all the time and obviously that would have saved money and i knew he would come in um, he would come in under budget quite often as well um and he's just he's just brilliant um do you think he would have yeah. got a lot of that from sergio leone being not spaghetti oh, westerns it's it's that and don siegel who oh, works yes. with on, yes as well i'm glad you mentioned it because uh, that's a homage isn't it he actually said this is um in memory of don and sergio leone because yeah, this is kind of how he's put he, it all together, isn't it? As a movie, he, he basically got, yeah, he basically got away. He directs from from coming from the actor's point of view and coming from notes from these two directors, which are also, uh, arguably Don Siegel was mm. at the time one of the best action sort of directors. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, because um, one of the films that you reviewed on your show was uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, oh. and <clears throat> yeah. Now that's got some incredible camera angles on it. I mean, it's a great film, but it's you know when is it when uh, Donald Pleasant uh, Donald Pleasant, Donald Sutherland's in the phone booth, and it just the camera just keeps panning like almost underneath yeah. him, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just really, yeah. it almost gives you a bit of vertigo, makes you feel Absolutely. a bit weird, you know. But it's and uh, do you like Escape from Alcatraz? Yes, that was a. Uh, um, oh, really good film. Yeah, good movie. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really Don Siegel. And um, obviously he did Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry, yeah, that's uh, it. Coogan's Bluff, he did that with him. And, oh, that's right. Oh, also he did Two Mules for Sister Sarah and The Beguiled. Do you remember that one? No, I don't remember that last one. Oh, you should check that movie out. Um, right. It was remade, but check it out as uh, Clint Eastwood's a confederate and he's been injured and, he, and some women take him in and shit goes on it's kind of a, a kind of a dark thriller you should watch that movie but try to stay away from any spoilers right and the other one i was going to say was uh play misty for me which was oh. a bit of a different one for clint eastwood wasn't it because it's touching on a little bit of um oh what's that one with mel streep one that you guys reviewed as well funny enough was it um fatal attraction oh uh, oh like yeah yeah, yeah. Of, you know um, but actually, Clint, Clint directed Play Missy for me. That was his directional debut. He did, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. So um, We should get into this movie before we just wax his car like we are. Gav, it's all it's about just... the tangents, man. When I've got guests on board, I, know. I just let it flow. So, yeah, but you wanna, if you want to get into this film, mate, what I'll do is um, I will play a trailer. But before the play the trailer, as I always do, let's get on the horses. Let's go back to 1992. <laughs> I've got my chaps on. <laughs> Saddle them up. <laughs> what is it? Get those, get those doggies rolling. <laughs> and we'll see you guys soon. Step over to the office and get the bull whip. A whipping? That's all they get after what they've done? Get out of there! It was a matter of honor. They're paying $1,000 to whatever kills the two boys that cut up Delilah. In a time when lawmen were killers. What are y'all looking at? You English Bob. Outlaws were heroes. Well, I thought that you were dead. Hell, I even thought I was dead. Till I found out it was just in Nebraska. And a bad reputation. You're the one who killed William Harvey and robbed that train over Missouri. Was as good as gold. My guess is you're calling yourself Mr. William Money. Say what? 
You don't look no meaner than hell, cold-blooded damn killer. I ain't like that anymore, kid. Thousand dollars reward, Will. Nobody's gonna come. So you still have that Spencer rifle, huh? Yeah. He's my partner. He don't go, I don't go. What's it come to three ways? Just because we're going on this killing, that don't mean I'm gonna go back to being the way I was. Are you really gonna kill them, cowboy? I do not like assassins. <laughs> or men of low character. We ain't bad men no more. We're farmers. There are a lot of savages! A bunch of bloody savages! Assassins! Well, I guess they have it coming. We all have it coming, kid. Some legends will never be forgotten. Some wrongs can never be forgiven. The man don't want to get killed. Better clear on out the back. Unforgiven. And welcome back, cool. guys. So the synopsis of this film is a retired old West gunslinger, William Money, reluctantly takes on one last job with the help of his old partner, Ned Logan, and a young man, the Schofield Kid. And as we've already mentioned, guys, it's directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, it was written by David Webb uh, Peebles. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he also wrote Blade Runner, 12 Monkeys and Leviathan. And it's a Western drama with a 130-minute runtime. And I didn't think I thought it might have had a longer runtime than that, but it's not as long as I thought. And the other thing, just to mention quickly here, it had a 14 million dollar budget, but it took a outstanding 160 million dollars at the box office. So it did very well back in 1992. So Gav, I know we've already spoken about this movie, mate, and. Um, do you always say this? Do you remember the first time you watched this film? I know you touched on it earlier. No, uh, my dad introduced me to it. But I don't remember it because it was uh, uh, a big fog of different Clint Eastwood movies on a Saturday night sort of thing. Um, I know, I know, he didn't definitely introduce me to it because because this was a lot at the time. Obviously, Clint had made a lot of westerns a lot earlier on. Um, so there's a bit of a gap before we made this. Yeah. Um, so it was quite a strange going back into that uh, uh, as an audience member, as a kid, um, I think as well. It's just a bit like, oh, he, he's so. I thought I remember thinking that he was so old, and like, mm-hmm. I watched him. I watched him last night, and it's like, oh, he's not. <laughs> he is older, but he's not that old. Is he? It's because it's because we're catching up with him, aren't we? Well, that, that's that's what we're saying. Then that means at some point I'm gonna be like, ah, I'm Clint Eastwood's age. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not being funny or anything, but God bless her heart. Who's the lass out of, um, oh, Misery? Uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy Bates. So I watched Misery um, before the lockdown with my daughter. Yeah. I introduced her to it. And I was watching, I thought, oh my God, she's starting to look young now. Because obviously I watched that. I, <laughs> no, just... <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought she doesn't really look too old, does she? <laughs> I was, I was sat there Cradle with my daughter thinking, oh my, oh my God, I'm starting to fancy Kathy Bates. <laughs> it, I think we all get to that stage at some point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're sort of thinking, hang on a second. But, um, different stages of life, we just have these different people we fancy. Yeah, this know? is it. Oh dear. So, um, Betty Davis phase, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, Jay, what are you doing in the room on your own? Oh, nothing. It's all right. Just uh, turn off Betty Davis. Hang on a second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I've been caught out. (laughs) That's something to happen one day. Yeah. Um, But going back to uh, this film, Big Whiskey. So, let's get into it. So, the film starts off in 1881 in Big Whiskey, Wyoming. And you've got um, outlaw Quick Mike and Davy Boy. They're in a um, they're in a saloon. Um, they're with uh, some prostitutes, and they get into a scuffle with the prostitutes, where one of them makes a gesture about size of his dick, basically. And I thought it was quite funny. I laughed. Yeah, this is it. You know, he got a little wiener. Laughed at his small pecker. This is it, and this is kind of where this film starts off, Gav, isn't it? Really, with some bloke's small willy. We do, just before this, we do have this beautiful opening shot we were talking about earlier, and we have a little bit of which is I don't know if it's totally ne- necessary, but we have a bit of information. Originally, it was going to be um, narrated on top uh, audibly, but uh, they decided to change the text, and we find oh, yeah. out. William, uh, aka Clint Eastwood or Bill, uh, we call him William because there is another Bill in it as well, yeah. which didn't happen. So uh, we call him. I'll probably actually, to be honest, I'll probably just call him Clint. Um, I can Clint, go with that. It's fine. I'm happy with that. Yeah, Clint um, is, was a bad man, and he married a woman, and the mum to the uh, woman, she was like a, a probably mid early twenties or whatever, um, was really unhappy. It sort of states um, that they, he sorry she would marry him because he was such a like murderous horrible person and we just get a little bit of backstory about clint's character but it's so small over this lovely beautiful shot it's quite forget forgetful really until we get that poignant bit later on in the end of the movie um yeah, so uh, yeah. there is that which trying to just set up a little bit, and then we obviously go into this uh, uh, this I'm going to say whore because that's what she is in the film, and they call so this whore being sliced up. Um, but yeah, please carry on with that because yeah, that's no, you're quite right. Just going back on that because there's yeah. a bit at the beginning which is actually quite poignant, isn't it? Because it says that her mother, so Clint's oh, and wife, she died, and we should say she died. It says that it states at the beginning. She well, died of smallpox, but then her mother yeah. thought that she would die because of Clint Eastwood's actions or as a character. So, and and what we find out in this film as we go along that Clint is still very much in love with this woman, mm. and he actually had. And this is the reason why at the end of this we have another bit of credit uh, text that comes up which is a bit weird it sort of it kind of says uh, the mum eventually went there and they, they'd left and stuff and on the gravestone there, there was no explanation why she and this, well who's going to do that Clint's going to write an explanation well she married me because she loved me anyway yeah. what it really comes down to is it's actually out of everything in the world it comes down to love yeah. which is really strange this movie comes down to love you wouldn't think it because it's very very violent at some points yeah this uh, is it but like you say it's it that one little um paragraph yeah. tells yeah. you everything about clint being that he's been a bad person but he's, he's looking for redemption ways. isn't he and and, and he he feels like he has because his yeah. wife changes him she changed him from an alcoholic murderer to uh a teetotaler who's got two children living out on a farm and this means the power she had over him and to the point later on when uh, the the woman who has been cut up uh, says to him do you want a free one and he said it turns her down not because of her looks but because he of his wife yeah and the thing is his wife is still married i love the fact morgan freeman later on sort of says like so what do you do do you use your hand <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's just like, I don't really miss it that much. Um, but it's just that little paragraph, like you say, gives us all this information mm. for this film and this character. Then we just go straight into the story, and it's kind of a slow burn story from here. Mm. Really. It's, it's, it's such a great movie, and I can understand why you had problems as a child watched it because the structure isn't kind of totally like it should be. It's a little bit left field. Yeah, because I, I need, I wanted at that age, um, 1992, so I was in my early teens. I wanted something a bit more of a pace. But yeah. like I say, now it's you know I'm happy to watch this in the evening, 11 o'clock with a beer. As a you know what? slow burn, you know, it's great. I thought earlier after this group recording, I was thinking, fuck it, I might just sit and watch it again. Yeah, my language. Well, no, I just that's true. It. That's how I felt. You know, um, it's, it is true. You know, it's a real nice sort of cosy. Um, Western, but like I say again, but like fast, I'm sort of fast forwarding here to the end. And I think you said this before, Gav, with your you know film directing and stuff like that, um, which I'll talk to you about later on. Actually, um, okay. is that you've got something here at the beginning? Uh, something that happens at the beginning is something that happens at the end, which we'll get into later on. Do you know what I mean? So this film almost bookends itself, doesn't it? Well, and, uh, do you know what I mean? When- well, scripts, the kind of general script is kind of like the ending should mirror the beginning. Mm. That's quite generally, it, it not obviously exactly, but it can be in metaphor and stuff like that. That's kind of how it should be. And this this, this just very much does it. Uh, it postcards it almost. Yeah, it does. It. It's a really nice. I mean, uh, it's little, nicer, yeah. A little bit of a segue into Big Trouble in Little China, but it does the same thing. And he is, I mean, Jack Burton is a bit of a cowboy coming in yeah. on his truck, which could be a horse. But and leaves on move, his truck. He leaves yeah. on the track at the end, doesn't he? So it's the same sort of thing, <laughs> with, isn't it? With the weird monster in it. Yeah, but yeah. That's it. Give me a best shot, pal. I can take it. <laughs> Which again, <laughs> is he's, he's acting a bit like Clint Eastwood again, or John Wayne in that movie. But again, it's a yeah. western. That's um, good. that's so funny that I've got to obviously in a couple of uh, episodes time we will be covering on podcast on the Haunted Hill plug. Uh, we are going to be covering uh, that uh, Escape from New York, like you said, and it's so funny because I'm going to be mm. watching that after watching Unforgiven, just being like, oh man, that's, yeah, you know. yeah. I don't get Anyone it. else but Kurt doing it, it could come across cheesies, especially doing the oh yeah, and talking like with that graveled grid teeth voice. Anyone yeah. else could probably look cheesy. Kurt Russell pulls it off. But that, it anyway, really. that's a segue. Yeah. Give, give um, another president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so, yeah, um, so, so yeah, these women, carry on. Yeah, they've basically started off as the main building block of this film, isn't it? Where you've got a prostitute who gets cut up by these two outlaws and she gets disfigured and then you're introduced well (laughs) Gav you're you're saying all the things that I was thinking funny enough Um, this is the other thing I don't understand the makeup didn't put a little bit more layers on there to make it look like an actual slice it doesn't look too bad you know it's not brilliant obviously it doesn't look too bad this is the other thing though Gav this is what makes this film feel uncomfortable because I'm not saying what this guy's done is I'm saying this guy what this guy's done is wrong of course and he should be trialled and all that sort of stuff for it which they would have done back in those days because they would have done yeah. that sort of stuff and he maybe should have had a couple of lashings or something like that but yeah the cause of this film makes you feel uncomfortable because you sort of think to yourself does it really warrant for him to actually be be killed for this offence do you know what I mean I know it sounds awkward but you sort of think to yourself you know with what's happened uh well, I know what you're saying, um, but when it comes down to it, it's the women decided to. It's it's like when examples have to be given, 
unfortunately sometimes there's a, a scapegoat for that as such and the women just want to prove that you can't fuck with us and do that yeah and they're, they're totally fed up of it and they're like right we're gonna get someone which it makes me think like they're gonna pay a thousand which uh, t- today's money was i think it was 110,000 or it's a lot of money yeah it's a lot of money yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a, sp- a lot of money and um it makes you think like oh, i don't know where i'm going with this now <laughs> Tell me about what I'm saying now. No, I, I'm just, I think it's. I think in any on, other okay. movie, I'm just saying. Um, I think this guy should be trialed and dealt yeah. with, possibly not killed, if you know what I'm saying. But I think in another movie, and this is where Clint Eastwood's storytelling is very good. I think they would have killed this prostitute. Then the audience would be right behind our heroes in this movie, if you could sort of call them heroes. See, I didn't Get even. Behind them. Does I that make sense? Yeah, I didn't even really take that on board, but that, that's a very valid point. Yes. It's it's strange. And what I was thinking, I remember what I was saying now. Um, I'm surprised the women think they're going to pay this money and get away with it later on, because surely that's going to come back with Gene Hackman's character, Little Bill's surely going to come back to him and say, "What on earth?" Because he didn't not, not like the fact they've he's found out that he's got word that they've club together, got money to get some sort of bounty hunter or some sort of person like that to come in and just. Do uh do them over a hitman or whatever you know. Yeah, this is um, it's surprising they think they're going to get away with that later on down the line. But they they they're so fed up of it, so that's where they're coming from that way. But I understand what you're saying. That's really interesting because mm. uh, he doesn't deserve. I don't even really clock that. I just kind of watched the films around. But he, he doesn't deserve to die. He deserve to be locked up probably for a few years mm. or some shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, and like you say, but, you know, it's just how you know. Yeah, just how this film makes you feel a bit uncomfortable in some ways to try and sort of get it's, behind the, the whole film and stuff itself, like that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's quite a dark thriller almost. Mm. It's got it's, it's it's there's just something about it which it just makes it. It's you know, Clint when, when I hope it doesn't. I obviously he's going to when Clint passes. This is going to be one of those films you're like, man, that's that's a classic Clint Eastwood film he's, he's done um, something completely different to all his other films that you know him for don't you do you know what I mean it's it's, uh, it's nice this is this character then Dirty Hay then going into doing Grand Trino which I need to watch again mm. it was just nice to, uh, that he's just always had that thing about himself and he's not an egotistical man he's not an arsehole he's not someone that comes across as a horrible person he comes across as a really alright guy obviously yeah. character yeah. character he's screen he's quite a menacing character but uh generally like a decent human being you know um getting back to the film uh so you introduced introduced the sheriff uh little bill um who gives this uh outlaw a moral punishment which like we just said that um upsets the prostitutes i don't think that's enough cause do they so like say they put the reward together um, and then this is where you introduce to another character, which is the Schofield kid, and he is kind of like uh, sort of want to be Billy the Kid, isn't he? he? Wants to be this sort of famous outlaw. Uh, he's kind of like the bloke that's seen all the movies and kind of wants to be like the hero and all this sort of stuff, doesn't he? So he's... It, it's his journey in this film is interesting mm, because he really wants one. to be this. He mm. really wants to be this. Then later on, he gives up. Yep. And he at the time he's just dissing Clint Eastwood the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's no one. He's a he's he's a pussy, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Sort of thing. He's no killer. Nope. And then later on, he's like he says to him, oh, "I'll never be 
like you. No, that's right. He gets he gets quite um, upset about it all, doesn't he? He gets quite emotional. And well, there's a, a, a apparently in the script uh, he went off and drowned himself. Right. Okay. So again, it's another avenue, isn't it? It's like again all these characters. And this was the other thing I was going to say was uh, when you see the title Unforgiven, I thought it was like um, the prostitutes haven't forgiven this outlaw uh, what he's done. Uh, I've it's never not, thought of the name. I've never thought of the title either. I've, no, just, bought, I've just taken it as Unforgiven, yeah. Yeah, uh, but you think you think it's just rounded up to being... Um, someone's An offence has been committed, prostitutes have mm-hmm. been cut up, and there's someone who needs to be punished for it. So that's, there you go. And you think the Unforgiven, you think it's that, isn't it? It's, it's, the, it's that person. But uh, no. The way I see it now after watching this film, so you've got all these characters, Bill Money, the Sheriff, um, Schofield Kids, English Bob... Um, Ned, all of them are unforgiven because they've all got stuff, demons in the past and stuff. And, do you know what I mean? So that's all makes sense. Yeah. It's like that is that's that's basically the film, isn't it? It's all. It's not just one character. It's all these characters that are feeling this um, yeah. regret and they yeah. want redemption and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's a, you know, I say when you when you analyze this film, you come away and you think, bloody hell, this is just more than you. You know what I mean? It's like you and me now, we're going, bloody hell. You know what I mean? I know, it it, it opens up your mind. You can Um, easily spend time on one character and then analyse them, can't you? I think, and that's a testament to good filmmaking as well. Good writing and good, good, just the way it's been shot. None of Um, them, yeah. I was going to say, like, then we got, while this is going on, this this young buck cowboy who's full of spunk and mm-hmm. e- eager to go um we've got clint we're back at the farmhouse with clint and his hogs are getting sick with yeah. um and he's struggling obviously i presume he's there raising the children and trying to eat off the land yeah and that's that's it um and he knows that that's not going too well and he's not getting any younger and his kids are like what do you reckon like 12 and 9 around or? about that age yeah they're quite young because his wife yeah. was quite young, I think, wasn't she? She died at twenty-nine. Yeah, that was it. Um, so basically, he gets his proposition, doesn't he, from this this mm. young? And this is where Clint comes out with another line, doesn't he? He comes out and says, "There's a hell of a thing killing a man. You just take yeah. everything he's got." And you just think, "Well, that's, that's a Clint Eastwood line right there, isn't it?" He's... <laughs> this movie's full of them. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you think when they're writing it, because this script apparently went around for a good twenty years before oh, yeah. Clint is. Uh, decided to actually do it so Clint must have put these lines in himself yeah no doubt he he did you, you, you want to say he sort of ad-libbed it but I don't think he did I think he's been around that much happened. to write that in it would it, it's, it's funny because obviously everyone was used to the Schwarzenegger that I'll be right back mm. and um I'll be back so I'll be right back I completely changed it I'll be back and all that sort of stuff and and Clint is one of those guys yeah. but he isn't the younger of those ones he wasn't full of muscle he just had a menace about him um yeah, yeah he's, he's just got a presence about him isn't he so um, yeah and he, he coined his own phrase like make my day and all that stuff he he, he, he maybe he's the originator to be honest he's the same you know? as um uh roy schneider i know it's a bit of a tangent here but he's the same sort of bloke he's oh. not a muscle bound bloke but he's yeah. full of hero heroics isn't he do you know what I mean he's, he's a badass in his own right isn't he do you know what I mean he comes out with yeah. 
you know, all the lines and stuff like that. And I've got, I've so got to be something. honest, if it Roy Schneider against Clint Eastwood in a fight, my money's on Clint, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, picture the scene. So, you've got Roy on a boat, uh, Clint Eastwood on the land. Uh, okay. One of them, small, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Make my day, you punk. You could have Morgan Freeman narrating it, I suppose. <laughs> and now they all fight and just, yeah, amazing. And then Roy sunk to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. How do we get onto that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so Clint struggling he's got this, this young kids come up to him and says but basically i've got a job my my uncle p used to ride with you and there's a job going it's a thousand bucks to avenge this woman who's been had her eyes cut out her yeah. titties cut off and um, basically exaggerates very much uh, the the situation but obviously he's trying to ruse um clint back into the saddle yeah and talking about the saddle, this is the thing. Clint is the, um, this is where you find out a little bit more about him being the outlaw, some of the things he's done. But then he can't do those things anymore as he's like old. He can't fire a gun properly. He can't get onto the saddle of a horse, can he? It's like spinning around. This, so. this is this is such. This movie is so good because you got this guy who's given up drinking and all this mm. stuff, and he hasn't shot, uh, he hasn't killed a man for eleven years. He says to Morgan Freeman, and he can't get on his saddle. Later on, there's this incredible bit. Obviously, I'm not spoiling it, but yeah, That's incredible so. bit where he just like it's the fifteen minutes or seventeen minutes before the end of the film. <clears throat> he swigs drink, swigs the bottle, which he hasn't a whole. Time. Swigs a bottle, jumps on the horse, no problem, and rides into town to kill a bunch of people. Oh, you know what you just said? Yeah, this is the other thing. The other thing you said there is the drink. The drink is his yeah. fuel for being able to do this stuff. So you've got, be, like I say, you've got a scene here with Clint trying to get on a horse and he can't do it or shoot. And he's, like I say, then he yeah. swigs from a bottle. Yeah, he can't shoot. He can't him, shoot his hand gun, his rifle. And he swigs um, some alcohol down him and he, it all works, doesn't it? It's a bit like. Um, Popeye yeah. having his spinach almost, isn't he? But he, he resists for this whole movie, and the reason does because he promised the woman that he loves he would never go back to being that man he was. Mm. And I think it's so lovely. In a yeah, way. It's yeah, like yeah, very romantic. I watched Audition. At the end of Audition, I said to Dan, I hope we reviewed it, and I was like, it's kind of romantic in a way. They're both laying there at the bottom of the stairs, like a kind of paradise. I don't know. Have you seen Audition? I haven't. No, I don't, don't think I have. Okay. No. Okay, well, I won't say more. But um, yeah, I always found it kind of romantic, even though it's a very not romantic film. It's kind right. of had this sort of undertone to it almost. It felt it's a bit weird, but so yeah. I, think, um, I don't know why I don't. I don't know why I haven't heard of that film. I think I might have heard you guys brought it, bring it up in an episode or something. But. There's some piano wire used in it. It's it's kind of a, a misery uh, type sort of right. film, kind okay. of ish. Uh, check it out. I'll have to have a look at mm. that. Yeah, I'll check that one out. So, yeah, so we've got this, um, so yeah, you've got money, uh, you've got Ned Logan turn up as well now, haven't you, obviously, Morgan Freeman, so they, yep. they're all recruited, they're going to go and do this job, and then it cuts into the scene where you go back to Big Whiskey, and you're now introduced to um, English Bob, which is played yeah, by, 
Oh, Richard Harris. Richard Harris. What an actor. What a great actor. And again, the, the actors in this movie, do you know what I mean? The cast is amazing. Um, well, that's, I feel like, and he says it himself, he doesn't really sort of direct the actors. He kind of let the actors sort of oh, do their yeah. thing. If if you've got the actors and you've got the script in place, which is a good enough script, you can do that. And these people will do these things. And like Richard Harris is great in this as English, but I love the fact he's always on about the king and queen, and it's just saying by but a president. Well, anyone can sort of kill a president, but not a king or a queen. Is the whole time talking about it. Yeah, it, and he is the guy who is probably in all the books to say he's a hero. You know, he's a famous gunslinger. He's going to come into this town. So again, he's he's like the Schofield. He's like what the Schofield kid wants to be, isn't he? And he is it. But then again, but then he gets stripped to this title, doesn't he, boy? Um, uh, little Bill, with all his deputies, doesn't he? You know what I mean? It just he comes into he, this he, town. He, and it's just like well, the town. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to bear uh, bear arms and uh, give them in. Um, so uh, he hasn't. So he's been seen, and then one of the shows. So basically, when you come down to it, they're just a town trying to keep it peaceful, and no one gets shot. That's it's yes, kind of like absolutely. It's kind of like now yeah. asking people to wear face masks, and they're refusing mm. to. You know. Yeah, and this is. Um, I just. <laughs> it that's, just makes it. That's, as a kid, I thought all of those guys and Gene Hackman, that I thought they were all the bad guys. I know. They're this not. Is it. They're not really, are they? I mean, really. Little... Clint Eastwood is really where it comes down to it. And Little Bill, uh, uh, not Little Bill, sorry, um, English Bob. These guys are like the sort of almost the bad guys. They're yeah. like the almost. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I mean, this is the thing. This is, as I said earlier, this is the way this film makes you feel. And I've got a feeling that this is what. Clint Eastwood wanted to make you feel like when okay. you come out of watching this film. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think he wanted to make the darkest western he could, you know. And it is, isn't it? But the thing is, though, Gav, is would you say Unforgiven is the darkest western? I'm just saying, before we've looked at this film uh, and analysed it, would, would, would you I say? don't know, because you could look at, you could maybe argue Bone Tomahawk. Yes, exactly, uh, yeah. Uh, mm. So it'd be quite hard push nowadays. Um, but, but, Keeping authentically, uh, then I'm going to go. Possibly, this would be a good contender. Mm, that's right. But one, well, the point I'm making is, is that before I reviewed this film, is I wouldn't have thought that. Do you know what I mean? But now I'm well, looking I, at it more. I, I'm thinking. I know. As a kid, I always knew there was this dark thing with this film. Mm. Um, it always stuck with me as that sort of film. Um, Yes, sorry. Uh, so, um, so where are we gets, at now? <laughs> so basically, English Bob gets um, ejected from the town. Oh, English Bob. He gets stripped. Yes, yes. He gets, um, he gets beaten up. Sorted out. Yeah, but then, um, but then little Bill catches on to his biographer, doesn't he? He's like um, like journalist dude, isn't it? And he He's keeps got a writer. He? Yeah, he comes into town with a writer. Mm. Um, and it's quite funny because when they're both in prison, there's a very tense scene, which is a testament to Clint Eastwood again in his directing. The very tense scene when they're locked up, and little Bill, Gene Hackman's character, um, has the writer now outside sitting with him, writing down notes because he's going, Oh, okay, English Bob was a sort of person. Well, I'm a sort of person. Maybe he can write about me. So it's yeah. basically about battle of the ego um an english bob's been stripped of it he's beaten up his guns have been taken and he's locked up and he's a real fancy type of englishman yeah likes to look neat and proper 
Um, and he's he's been he's kind of been taken away. But I love that scene when you get him saying to uh, the writer, "Do you pick up that gun? Pick up, yeah, okay, there's bullets oh, in there." Yeah, that's good. Scene, and he actually, says, yeah. "Why don't I actually?" And he pulls it away and he goes, "He's licking his lips. Why don't I um actually give it to uh, English Bob?" Mm. And he says, "And Gene Adams, give it to him." Good to him, and Ginny Hamilton's waiting to draw on him and show how fast he is at drawing because it comes down to them who's the best cowboy, who's the best draw, um, who's going to get written about in a book, blah blah blah. That's right, it, and, then, and then English Bob doesn't think does, that's loaded either, does he? He thinks that's he a, doesn't think it's loaded, but and it is. It, yeah, <laughs> but he, as he says to him, I would have shot you, and he's in no state to be able to do that. He would have got shot by Gene Hackman, no doubt. Yeah, that's it. He, he's just looking for that cause, isn't he, Gene Hackman? Yeah. That. But, but getting back to this, right, as you say, yes, but English Bob is then thrown out of town, said, you know, go away, his gun's been bent, and he says to him, like, um, the writer's there, and the writer now kind of goes under his wing, and he's even at his house hanging out, and I presume in that thunderstorm, he was going to stay the night and all this stuff. I was thinking about this stuff when watching the film. Like, is he yeah. just fake? And the other thing is with English Bob, he's now got the tag of being unforgiven, isn't he? Because of he's yeah. now had his title stripped and everybody thinks now he's gone from being this hero or famous gunslinger to now riding into Big Whiskey and having all that stripped away from him. So he's been scorned now, and he really... Yeah. And another oh, reason this happens to him, Gene Hackman, Little Bill, has been made aware that the women the prostitutes have all clubbed together got the money to get someone to come in and they've sent out word about this um so they're very much um a little bit on edge of um who's coming into town mm. um so you can see from that point of view but again he gets beaten up because he won't give up his guns and it's a case of just being like you've got to give up your guns you won't give up your guns okay we're gonna just go beat you up um that's probably obviously the better way would be not to beat him up and just put him in the the holding cell yeah and like but, you said at that point that is quite a good sheriffing by gene hackman at this point it, isn't it because he's it just keeping kind of, the law and he's just saying don't want any trouble in and, this town basically and he does make an example of him but obviously we don't know about it like you say there's backstories there's a backstory between those two guys and he mm. does kind of explain it a bit what happens when he is drunk in the bar and he's trying to shoot someone and he, he end up shooting his own toe english bob did and blah 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 um there is a bit of a backstory so you don't know the history anyway so but yeah he kind of makes an example beats him up as well but it sends about town but keeps the writer so we now have this writer who's kind of hanging on he's a real really like in there now with him or not he's, he's kind of that sort of guy obviously he's trying to forward his career as a writer and, he, and that's that's the way it's coming from the passion but he comes across as quite a wormy type of guy yeah that's it yeah he's he's a little bit out of his uh, comfort zone isn't he in this town he's not too sure what's, what's really going to happen to him I don't think um, yeah. But then you've got um, you've now got money and Ned and the Schofield kid they arrive in town and like you say there's a thunderstorm isn't there and it's pouring down well, with rain. Before we get to that, can we quickly go back? I know because I know I'm a bit all over the place with this, but um, there's a good scene when Clint goes round to see Ned, uh, Morgan Freeman's character, and just says to him can you please go and look at my kids i'm going to leave them for like two weeks and it's so funny i oh, we watched this with sarah and we were both sort of like mentioning our kids like, we can never leave our kids for two weeks like there's no, there's no we live in we i said like we're so soft nowadays um you know we can, I can never leave my kids they wouldn't last a minute they'd all just sit there going, ah, there's no wi-fi ah, and it should just shrivel up <laughs> and you even know? like you say in that environment in the world west in the 
a little house was, in the prairie easy. or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah, it wasn't easy. But uh, So he goes to see Morgan Freeman and says, can you go go check on my kids in a couple of weeks? And then Morgan Freeman's like, How, uh, you know, what's this kid like? Well, could, would he go three ways? So Clint and Ned ride out together because they used to ride together. So it's kind of works out they want to ride together which is quite good and that's when they hook up with the uh, the the kid where we also find out also the kid's incredibly short-sighted that's right uh, yeah, he can't shoot anything can he or he can't like. shoot anything so he can only obviously do close-up range um so that becomes quite a thing it's quite good as a trio of them but you've got clint who's just a little bit out there morgan freeman's ned's character seems quite quite positive and quite on it but you've got then this kid who's quite good as a young agile kid and he's got full of spunk and lots of energy but he can't see for shit so it's a bit like oh my god it's like you know three monkeys almost it's just like yeah you know, but it's, it's the other reason why he needs these outlaws to help him out doesn't it because i did think this at the beginning i thought well he's yeah. a schofield kid he seems quite sure of himself and i would yeah. have thought that he would be able to take out these two outlaws by himself that's just why i yeah. thought initially but, but we find so. out that he's never even killed someone until he kills one no, of these birds. that's right. So he's holding that secret. And he's basically a guy that talks a good job, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He is like uh, the sort of Walter Mitty sort of character, as we say, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He sort of talks a yeah. good job, but he's not. He's just all... He's basically fake, isn't he? But um, yeah. I guess So, so they ride into town. So yeah, so they ride into town. It's raining, isn't it? And this is another scene where... It kind of goes against what you think is going to happen because money, you're kind of thinking that he's a hero and all that and he's going to sort stuff out. But then he comes down with a fever, doesn't he? Um, because of yeah. the rain, he's like got a bit of flu or something and he's shivering. Well, well uh, oh yeah, as they go into the ass, right? Because it, it, and he, and the more, uh, Ned the whole time saying to him, just drink some of this, this whisky, you know. Yeah. And morning, it's like, no, I'm not drinking the whisky, That's you it, know, yeah. the whole time. He's got a blanket wrapped yeah. around him and stuff like that. So he looked, he just, and, and I think, yeah, and as a kid, I think I, I kind of looked at him more as a weakened, mm, old, old man. So, yeah, he comes across as this old man. It's like, what on earth is this guy going to do? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's surprising. He, he must be so tired at night with those two kids. <laughs> but he, he, does seem, he does seem to be, look like he's making them, he's working them, though. Um, but yeah, he's so old to be like a dad, it seems almost as well, you know, even just a father. That's it. And then yeah. this is where he has his first meeting, isn't it, with uh, little Bill? Because again, he comes in and he says, he does the same thing he did with um, English Bob, then he? he says, there's no guns in here, um, in this town. But then at this time, I think this is where in, um, little Bill, Gene Hackman's character, realises who this is, doesn't he? He says, this is money. And he obviously knows his backstory, doesn't he? As a sheriff, he knows who this guy is. Yeah, well, he well he goes into the bar and like they've all gone into the bar. The kid goes up to go chat to the main uh, uh, head uh, prostitute um, to discuss stuff with her upstairs. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's a typical saloon with the upstairs bit being the brothel. And um, then Morgan uh, Ned goes like, you know, if you don't mind, I'm just going to quickly pop up there, you know, because he wants a bit himself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's a bit of a isn't he? <laughs> he is. He does talk about it a bit, doesn't he? Um, that's probably why his wife's so unhappy when he goes, oh, I'm not going to get it now for a while. Uh, and um, Clint is there looking 
horrible. It looks like he's nursing a whiskey. He's not. It's just been put in front of him, but he's not drinking it. So he's all by himself looking in a bad state as Gene Hackman, Little Bill, goes in with all of his other sheriffs to say, you've got to give us your weapons. And where's your other friends and what are you doing here? Because they're still a bit nervous about who's coming or what's coming. Yeah, that's right. He's um, like I say. This is at this point. I think this is where little Bill is now cautious, and he obviously knows that he's the guy he's been paid to go and sort out these two outlaws, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So then you've got, um, I've got here like he obviously gets nursed back into health, doesn't he? Um, by the yeah, well, he's beaten up. He? He's basically beaten up. Doesn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. He gets well, beaten up, doesn't he? Gets beaten up. Yeah, um, and kicked out the uh, and the uh, the other two go out the back window and manage to get away. Um, and Clint uh, is picked up by those two and they ride off into the distance and they try to look after him. And yeah, um, he's looked. They're looked after by the uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the ladies. I don't know what to keep calling them. Don't keep so, The ladies of the night. I was going to say whilst they're looking after Clint. Old Ned's getting his freebie, isn't he, at the same time? <laughs> he pulls his pants yeah, up a lot in yeah. this film, doesn't he? <laughs> he is, he is. Oh, God. Old Ned. That Andy Ned. <laughs> He's not going to have any money left, is he? Because he keeps getting these like, freebies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what he says. That's what the lady says. But uh, uh, I'm just looking at my notes for it. I was saying, uh, very funny, which I thought was very early on. When they were going to go uh, went to English Bob and when they are in the... Uh, the uh, the sheriff's office and they're loading up the guns. You get the guy with one arm in there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then he says, his, his mate says to him, <laughs> "Why do you need three guns? You've only got one arm." Throw that gun down. Pull out an old phone. Bam, 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 throw that gun down. Pick up another one. <laughs> oh, a little bit of comedy thrown in there. Just to sort of take it off its edge a little bit. Oh dearie me! So, so this nurse back to health, and as you mentioned earlier with Clint, isn't it? He's, this is where he's committed to his wife, or his now, you know, late wife, and obviously he gets that. You know, she says, "Do you want a free beer as well?" And he's like, "No," um, which is quite good for that sort of character development in this film, I think. Um, yeah, because this is a. a- this scene is uh, that the scene is basically what is what I was on about earlier. What you're just saying, where she's saying, "Do you want a freebie? Um, I can give you one." Hmm. And he looks and says, "No, oh, I guess not." And so she's just like, "Oh, okay." And he says, "Oh, it's not on the count of your looks, blah blah blah." If I was going to do it with anyone, it'd be you. But out of those other two, it's just because of my wife. And it's just him saying all this stuff and this whole scene it's all one take you know the camera just sits there and they 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 the actors play they do their words and it's such a beautiful scene mm. i almost had a tear i was just like jesus oh, really? this is incredible oh, okay that's good yeah i mean i, I think it, when you do get that sort of emotion with this film it means it's connecting with you doesn't it do you know what i mean um but yeah oh, that's great it, well it was it's the woman thinking she's so disfigured, she's so ugly uh, that, mm. that she because they keep they keep saying that she's no good now, she's no use. We want the landlord. Oh, she's no use to me now. I want some ponies for that. Come on. Yeah. Um, right. And it's because she feels like this, and the whole time he doesn't say in that what scene. He does not say once that 
his wife is past when he says to the woman I oh, can't yeah. have sex with you Never because of my that. wife that is incredibly powerful because he does not even say that and that's what made me go oh my god I was just like Jesus that's so powerful yeah. Yeah. I, I'd love to be able to make a film and have a scene like that you know I'd be I'd die happy you know it's incredible yeah but like you say there's just uh, so many points like that in this film isn't there do you know what I mean they just seem to sort of it's, go into it and analyse it don't they um, yeah. yeah, and then the next scene that I quite like as well. Rewatching this, so you've got um, a few days later. So Clint is back to part health. So I wouldn't say he's full health, but he's feeling a lot better. And this is where they go out to ambush the outlaws, don't they? In a this, canyon. It it reminded me of uh, uh, Raiders. Uh, no, not Raiders. Um, the one with Sean Connery, Indiana Jones movie, oh, The Last Crusade. Uh, Last Crusade. When when they're up at the top of the rocks looking down. I was like, that's like Indiana Jones. I thought I, thought I lost you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> thought oh, I lost dear. you, boy. <laughs> you say you're an archaeologist? <laughs> it's like fucking... Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, Sean. So... Oh, Sean. Yeah, oh, good old Sean. Yeah. God, you must have been turning up in this film, can you? There's an old gunslinger, can you? Well, you absolutely could have. Sean Connery and, and Clint Eastwood done something. I don't think I don't they think ever they have. have. I do not they, think they, they have that ever would touched. be that would be a great pairing. We could oh. maybe we could get some sort of old school sort of lethal weapon with them too. God my Sean Connery and Clint Eastwood. Oh my god almighty. <laughs> I, I actually think Sean Con uh, uh Clint would probably knock him out to be honest with you. I reckon he might be a bit too much of a the handful of old Sean Connery. Man. Moan too much. This is not the golf course. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Do you want to live forever, boy? <laughs> God, I don't see it. Oh, good old Sean Connery, man. Oh, jeez. I could actually see him in this film, though. I think he, I think in the 90s he would have been. Yeah, I absolutely. think this would be a good, good time for him to come in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you've got this scene here where, as we said before, and I'm saying this an awful lot with this film, in any other movie, this would probably be a pinnacle shootout, wouldn't it, of... The our heroes yeah. fighting the bad guys. You have some shootouts is, and all that sort of stuff, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? This is where the film totally changes. The mm -hmm. characters all of a sudden change roles. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're going for it, uh, and Ned Ned's Ned's a pretty trusty person with his uh, rifle, and um, he's aiming up, and he's already they've spotted. They've gone scouting. They found one of the cowboys, yeah. the two bad cowboys, and um, uh, Ned shoots him, but Ned. The way Ned should have shot him and killed him in one take, uh, one shot. Sorry, um, but this is not the case. <laughs> no, it always goes into film <laughs> and action. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just that sorry, my kids. Come on, let's go. Action. <laughs> cut, cut. Do it again. God, don't shoot one. him. Yeah. Oh, um, right, uh, yeah, and it's, it, tell us what happens. RJ. So, this is what I like here because you've obviously got Ned. He's, you know, got this backstory where he is obviously a notorious outlaw himself. Any other day of the week, he would do this, but he shoots him, doesn't he? But he loses his bottle, doesn't he? I would say. He just loses it, doesn't he? He just thinks, I can't do this anymore. He, he just you know? ruins the guy and he should have killed him mm. in that take. Uh, mm. He ruins him and he just looks at Clint and Clint's like, go on and he just looks and says I, I can't do it right. and the and the, the kid who's blind as a bat is going what's happening yeah. what's happening this yeah. is self 
you know. <laughs> and, then I, and then I think it's down to, is it down to Clint? Does he eventually... Clint, Clint goes, oh, I'm no good with these things. And at this point, Clint's just back to uh, being a killer. He's not even bothered he's going to kill. And this scene becomes another incredible scene because Clint shoots the guy and he's only, he says to Morgan Freeman, he says to Ned, how many shots? And he's, uh, he's got two. He's like, oh. And he misses the first go, then he gets the second go, but he doesn't kill him straight away. He gets him in the gut and the yeah. guy crawls out of the shot, but he's slowly dying, screaming out, I need some water to his other cowboy friends. And they're not there to kill him. They're hitmen are paid to kill these particular people. That's it. They're not going to go and kill these. These other guys know that they're not going to kill him. It's it's almost like a code of honor, almost or whatever. They all know what's going on. Yeah. It's... But this kid's dying, screaming out, oh, "I need some water and stuff." And these two up here, Clint and Ned, both have not killed someone in a very long time. Ned lost his bottle, and Clint hasn't done it for eleven years and hasn't drank. And they get to listen to this guy die. And it's kind of shocking for them both. Um, and this is pretty much turns, turns Morgan Freeman, Ned's character, Ned, um, into like, no, I'm not doing this. And it's just like another scene, like, oh my God, I didn't yep, expect this scene right. to go this mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And like, he's, like I said earlier, it's the same with English Bob. He gets stripped of his title. And this is kind of where Ned gets stripped of that title as well, because he's just gone, I feel bad now that I've actually come back to this role and I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? And he, and, he, and he rides away. Yeah, that's right. And he's kind of... And again, this is where I said, this is where the film title comes in. He now feels unforgiven, doesn't he? English Bob yeah. feels unforgiven. He feels unforgiven. So you've got all these characters that just feel him really shit about everything, really. Uh, mm. They just can't seem to get a grasp of things, can they? Do you know what I mean? Schofield, no, totally. he's blind as a bat. Poor old yeah. Clint, he's, Clint, he's sh- shaking like a shitting dog with that gun, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> so, at, at this point, little Bill has now been informed that uh, basically one of the cowboys has been shot by them. Yes, that's right. So, now you've got... Uh, this is there, the lynch is formed. Yeah. So, you've now got... Um, is this where you get the prostitutes to arrive now with... Do they give them the reward? Oh, no, it's where... No, the Schofield kid, he... No, because you still got to get the other cowboy to be killed, and he gets killed under the crapper. That's right. That's it. That's where Schofield goes in, doesn't he? He thinks, you know, this is it. This but, is my big moment now, isn't it? But but, but while this is going on, uh, which we get to in a moment, Ned, who said, "That's I can't do this, I'm going to go away. Clint's like, all right, fine, I'll meet up with you, and we'll still give you some money sort of thing. Um, which, it, which I thought the kid was going to kick off with, but he doesn't, which it didn't, which is good. But um, at this point, though, we find out that Ned's actually been captured on his way out of town or, 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 or over the plains. That's right. And... And when it comes down to it, Ned obviously did do a shot to him and did injure the guy, but he didn't actually kill him. But he gets taken in and tied up and basically interrogated as such, being whipped. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's it. You get a scene where he gets whipped now, didn't you? Like, and it's when we get to the outhouse and uh, this is where we get the crapper shooting. So then you get Schofield, doesn't he? He shoots him three times and... He's all cocky at first, isn't he? But then all of a sudden he starts crying, doesn't he? And he starts feeling incredibly well, bad about it. Well, this this scene kind of goes a bit wrong because they creep up on uh, uh, the outhouse and they see the guy they need to come. He comes out the toilet and the other guy inside, they're playing cards. And they're like, no, you can't go out. He goes, I can go to the toilet by myself. He doesn't want to be like watched and stuff. And, you know, he's, he's a big boy, he thinks he is. He can do it. 
he goes out to the toilet and this is where uh, the kid comes around the corner and opens up the door and is, there's two outhouses and he's got the wrong one and at this point the house where the people are playing cards they look out and they see and they're like hey there's, a, there's an intruder and they all go out there and this is where Clint has to like, use the rifle shoot the window to keep them inside and then the kid does manage to shoot the guy while he's taking a poop mm. and it him a bit of a while before he does he hesitates to, almost to the point where this guy could grab his gun and shoot back um and if he'd have known that in the first place this guy probably could have done because the kid leaves it so long but he's in he's, he's in shock because it's the first time he's going to kill someone yeah and then he's shooting someone on the crapper like you say do you know what i mean it just it's almost not like a fair fight is it in a way i know i think it yeah yeah absolutely um uh, it's like Pulp Fiction, isn't it? And um, oh, it's yeah. like being shoot, shooting someone in the back as well. It's it's that whole thing, and he knows it's as bad as shooting someone in the back. It's not. Yeah. It's not honourable. It's not like they're standing in like a fair fight. It isn't fair. But at the same time, you got to remember, it's not supposed to be a fair fight. He's there to do a job. But he can't to be a hitman, to be a person like this, or hit woman. Um, yeah, you have to leave your emotions at the door if you're going to do something as callous as that. Um, and he doesn't have that whereabouts yet. He's too young. He's not in that place. He's not Clint for a start, which he rightly says after this scene. Yeah, and I think this is possibly Clint again telling the story of possibly someone who claims that they've done something and they haven't but they've got all the glory for it which yeah. could quite possibly have happened in the Wild West in history books because it goes back to the um, journalist guy which is if you've yeah. got if you've got if you're surrounded by the right people people will believe stuff do you know what I mean which is so someone will write you up and say you're great when you're not and I think this is Clint saying this is yeah. the reality of what, what really happens when you shoot someone it's not a very nice thing and you've got yeah. you've got to live with that guilt, and it's whether you can that's, or not, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So that that's it. Uh, my uh, the side side podcast I do, the High Strangers podcast. Mm. Uh, the next episode we're doing, we're talking about the Bay City uh, uh, Bay State killer. He's just been uh, uh, arrested and all the stuff that he did, and he must have lived for years and years and years, or he did without without anyone finding him now mm. sort of in living with that whole sort of thing um he does seem to be it is, I'm, not, I'm not gonna go on this about this oh, but no, he does no, seem no, to be a, yeah, 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 no, he doesn't he seems to be a horrible person who who probably doesn't actually give a shit mm. but um yeah on uh, on the other side of it that's that's like uh, that's a horrible sort of killer person and this side this is like a hitman person but you're still taking away another human's right to live on the planet uh which is a very very hard thing and if you haven't got that thing where you can leave the emotion aside you can't do this job and this kid finds out straight away this is not for me luckily yeah, he doesn't get killed and it's funny i was expecting to get shot it's funny how they call him the schofield kid because just jog the memory for me from the film young guns where milo estevez I think it might have been Young Guns 2, where he actually comes out and says something a little bit in depth, where he says to one of his, it might have been Kiefer Sutherland, he says, can't you feel that? And the other guy goes, feel what? He just, just feel that, that I'm going to make it, basically. So he's, so him, him himself as a character has got used to the fact that I just kill people now. Yeah. And that's it. And that is him yeah. feeling whatever that is to make him just do it. You know, he's, he just yeah. almost doesn't really give a shit. Do you know what I mean? He just got used to the fact and I think that Ned, just saying about Ned, he probably was that back in the day. 
But now... Oh, Ned was. He's, Ned was, yeah. He's lost it. He's lost that feeling. He doesn't have it. He, he doesn't have it anymore, does he? Yeah. yeah, him and Clint used to Very ride out, but they don't have it. No. Yeah. So, this, so this kid loses his murder virginity, I wrote yeah. down. That's my... Uh, and he's not um, he's, and he just yeah, can't take it. He just can't take, um, take it. So yes, yeah, yeah, no. man, it's amazing. Incredible. But we get we get this we get this point in the scene where Clint says, "Just take take a drink, kid. Just you know, just keep taking a drink. You 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 know, this is probably not for you." And he says, "Oh, I'm not like you. I can't do this." Mm. Uh, um, and at this point, then the lady, one of the ladies uh, of the group, rides up and um, gives them their bag of money. Um, which is good because I was quite concerned about Clint's children. Um, luckily, we got the uh, Schofield kid is in, uh, told by Clint to go and take some to Sally Two Trees, um, who was Ned's uh, wife uh, or person. Or is is that the same person? Sally is that Sally Two Trees with um, Ned? Yes, it is. Yeah, she's yeah. That's yeah, right. that's that's the person so who's go, keeping go an eye to, on the kids, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, go go give go give uh, Sally Ned's bit, and then go take my bit and give it to my kids. Mm. Um, and there's another scene actually, which was not filmed, where uh, the Cisco Cisco kid, the uh, what kid is it? Schofield kid. Schofield. I think there, there was a Philip Cisco Philip's... kid. I think that was Clint Eastwood, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, there you that go. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Philip, Philip Schofield. Let's call him that. <laughs> Philip <laughs> Schofield and Gordon the Gordon Gopher. the Gopher. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, the I'm not going. I'm not doing this tangent. The right, okay, kid, let's just come back from that. <laughs> we're not going down that that's the dark alley. Right. Uh, 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 the Schofield kid. There's a scene cut out. Schofield. Well, it wasn't shot. Uh, Schofield kid goes to the kids and gives them money, and they're just a little bit shocked by the whole thing. Apparently, they say, "Did you kill anyone else?" And he says, "No," and just rides away or something like that. That's uh, yeah. But that was never shot. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, but that's the last we see of him, isn't it? I think he goes off, and doesn't he? Is, and well, the trouble is, as they got the money and they're going to count the money, uh, blah, 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 the lady goes, oh, Ned, um, before he's, he's told to go and give some to Mrs. True, uh, 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 Sally Two Trees, uh, oh, your friend? Oh, no, he, he was killed. Oh, did you not know? And it's like, oh, great, that's well done. Um, Clint, at this point now, this is where Clint takes a drink um, and it's very subtle almost. It's not subtle. He does it right in front of you, but it is kind of subtle because the whole way through this movie, people drink apart from Clint. And this, he drinks here and he now gets the kid's rifle. And I was like, oh God, it's only like 17 minutes to the end of this movie. It's like, oh my God, this is this is the bit where if you're in a cinema, this is a bit where you'd be gripping your mm. girlfriend or friend's mm. hand oh my god it's pouring with rain and Clint's going to go back into town and it's this bit here is I'd love to see this on a big screen um, with fresh eyes back in 1992 yeah I'm happy to see on screen now man it, this scene here is what this this slow burn film has, has got to this is the bit um, and I've, I've said this before on my show and I think you probably might agree with me Gab I think a film is just as good as the beginning and the middle as this end and boy does this film have that end do you know what I mean it just goes boom do you know what I mean which is this a vital end. part isn't it do you know what I mean to finish it off go bang yeah, yeah. Go. It's, it, it, it almost made like hair stick up on my uh, end of my uh, neck it's just like you're just kind of watching 
waiting and you know what's happening and you know Clint's going to go just ride into town and this scene though mm-hmm. we cut back to the saloon it's pouring with rain and thunder outside we cut back to this big saloon and everyone's in there and little Bill's like everybody rolled out of me yesterday have yourself a free drink and it was yeah mm-hmm. after that though you're paying for your own and they all sort of laughing away and stuff like that then then we just see the corner shot of just uh, a man walking out of the rain and his arm and stuff and he's got a rifle and we know it's Clint Eastwood but this is this is the action movie where you get your John Wick walks into a room and there's a load of people you know oh he's gonna kick all their ass and stuff this is the same thing we're with Clint and we're like oh my god he's just literally walked into this saloon with all these guys and he's to the point where he is happy to die. He does not care anymore. His children are going to get that money. He's like, I don't give a shit. And this is just like, man, yeah. <laughs> everybody, shush, everybody be quiet. This guy's just walked in saloon. It's just like, just oh, don't do anything. Oh, my God. And the fact that he has the balls to do this, mm. I think, intimidates everybody, especially little Bill. Yeah, because he, like you say, he goes in there and he holds court, doesn't he? He grabs everybody's attention, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? Everybody knows possibly this guy's past and what he's capable of doing. Oh, yeah, but but I think it's just the balls. If if Mm. that was to happen, I remember once upon a time, there's uh, uh, this is a little tangent story here. I was like 17. I'm right, yeah. Was that? Uh, 17, 18 and um, drinking and there's a, probably a group of us 15 or 16 of us and there's this guy who was very drunk but he's probably like 30s or 40s he's a big guy and he had two bottles in each hand and he wanted to fight all of us and oh, he was right. yeah. and my friend there my friend's Vietnamese and he's been really racist to him and he's looking back at me you got me back and I was like uh, uh, and I'm not a fighter um, and nobody would fight this guy because it was just a balls of this guy coming up to us and saying i'll take all of you on yeah. no yeah. nobody would nobody would no. we all just were well this kind of you know. goes like you just said there but this is um you ever seen the 300 with uh, gerard butler i mean it's the old it's it's a I've real not, I've not seen all right, it's a real life thing that happened back in um greece where okay. there's 300 spartans and they took on the mass army of the Oh, God, their name's gone out of my head now, anyway, but Mesopotamians or whatever. Someone's going to dig me for that now. But anyway, they are a small army. And he says in that, if you've got the might, one person can take an army down. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. kind of like it's happened in Greek history where one person, like a bit like David and Goliath, where David went, I'm going to take you down because I mean it. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit like the same thing here, isn't it? He's gone in there. And then yeah. he's turned around and gone, oh my God, because I, he's I got that conviction I, behind him. Do you know what I mean? I think they can see that when yeah. he turns up. And he just sort of says, who's the proprietor of this saloon? And uh, and a little bit was a little bit like whoa 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 it's kind of a, he, he's a bit taken it he's a bit taken back like what 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 and mm-hmm. he says who's the prior of this saloon and the guy's like oh well that'll be me and he stands in stands oh, yeah, in almost right, stand yeah. like John almost stand like John Wayne then um, he stands in the stands in the way and he says to everybody else says you all better move. And puts the gun up, and little Bob's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, little Bill's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he just shoots the saloon guy. And yeah. little Bill's like, you can't, you can't do that. You cannot do it. And he's just outraged by this guy. You cannot come in here and do that. It's not right. And he says, if, uh, hang on, I've probably was, got the line there. No, no, no. It's what you said earlier at the beginning of the show, wasn't it? He says, um, 
I've killed just about anything that walks, and I'm here to kill you, little Bill, didn't he, or something like that? that, That's it. Well, no, because he says, and he says, you can't shoot this, you can't come and shoot this, and he says, anybody who would put up my dead friend outside their saloon deserves to die. Oh, yeah, that's uh, it, yeah. That's right. And then then he's like, I've killed about everything that walks or crawls, and now I'm here to kill you. And, like, oh, wow. And all of a sudden, boom, um, his rifle backfires. So Bill draws. Um, but then Clint, quick hand withdraw there, pulls out a handgun. Boom, boom, boom. He starts, he starts oh. killing a couple of deputies, doesn't he? And then they all start clearing off. I mean, I don't know how he gets through it. He shoots four. He shoots. He shoots uh, little Bill first, and then he shoots four. He shoots little Bill twice, and he shoots four others. And that's actually six bullets gone. He actually has no more bullets in his gun. So he. And no one else really picks up on that, and they he just says, to Everyone, if anyone else wants to die as well, we'll get out the back door. And he just gives him the chance, and he goes up to the bar and just starts drinking some uh, uh, whiskey. That's it. And then he comes out with a line which kind of made me sort of sh- shudder, you know. What I mean, it's what, like I've been always killing folks. Is that that line? Well, no, it's what it's what he says to little Bill, isn't it? Because he's shooting. He, kills him didn't he and then before little bill dies he comes out and just says i i can't die because i was building my own house and you just think yeah oh shit what's it it it, it, it that line Do you know what I mean? um for, for for our age that line is um i i'm as i've got older i've very much been very uh uh i'm very conscious of how little time we have in life i'm all the time I'm trying to like be happy and stuff oh, as much as I can and enjoy mm. every second yeah, like yeah, now yeah. I'm totally yeah. enjoying talking to you about this film yeah. so I'm trying to do it as much as I can nowadays and be very conscious of this and this is this is a this is a line just to explain that to you in a little way and so, and also in another way to explain to you that actually that doesn't mean anything um, he's building a house well it's just a house um, but you can also look at it as in like I wanted to get that house finished and that's what that then, meant to him wasn't it then you, of course, that's what it means to him. And then you could have killed me. Um, and and that means I've then left that there. And I've put something on the planet. And so there's a lot, so much in just that bit. But really, before, answer, yeah. yeah, before we get to that, though, we do have the writer who's there underneath one of the dead guys. And he pushes him off. And Clint's like, pick up that rifle. And he's like, ah. And he says, uh-huh. I'm just... A- I'm just a writer, I'm just a writer. He says, pick up the rifle. And he's like, oh my God. And Clint tells you to pick up a rifle. I don't know if you should or not. I'm scared for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost um, like a recreation of the scene from earlier, wasn't it? With little Bill when he says, pick up the gun. So he's found himself in the same situation yeah. again, isn't it? And he, and he says that I've always been lucky killing folks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Is it? Because he's like trying that? to figure out how he did it. Because he's obviously going to write about this in a story. Mm. Um, but Bill's still alive though and then uh, obviously we get that scene where he goes over and just puts the gun over him and says you can't kill me I'm, I'm building a house mm. did you find that scene then quite uh, a poignant thing that, that, that those last yes. words I, I f- actually found that quite poignant when I watched this when I was younger in my teens because I thought this guy is supposed to be the bad guy that's how I saw it when I was younger and I just yeah. thought that's not what a bad guy would usually come out and say for me in this type of movie. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. other films that I've watched, like Commando, say for instance. Do you know what I mean? That's you know let off some scene, steam, Bennett. You just want Bennett to die, really, because he's a you know, he's a nasty arsehole. Oh, but, he's a horrible person. But um, in this, 
<laughs> little Bill isn't that person. No, this is it, and this is what makes this film awkward. But this is what this is what's good about Clint Eastwood making this film because he's basically saying this is probably how the Wild West really was. Do you know what I mean in real life? As I said uh, earlier, yeah, you... no one really thinks they're the bad guy, do they? Do you know what I mean? And it's just no. it's just well, no, because no, no, Clint knows he's a bad person. In this mm. he says oh, I was a bad person. He knows this, but oh, he's okay, got that yeah, point where. Yeah. He's got to that point where everything's lost. He he doesn't care, and especially as his friend's been killed, he's like, "You kill my friend, I'm gonna, I'm turning back to that person. You've yeah. just pulled me out of retirement." Mm. Um, and he says to him, "I'll see you in hell, William Murray." And Clint's just like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's basically it. Yeah, I will. I will see you because yeah, it's, it's almost like Clint, Clint knows that's where he's going as well, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's like you said, he he knows exactly but, what yeah. he's doing." Then, then though, this is you got to think like, oh no, Clint needs to now leave this saloon, and there's definitely going to be people who are going to try and sniper him out, or yeah. obviously not snipers, but they're going to try and take him out. And he goes up to the door and says, "If any of you sons of bitches kill or tries <laughs> to shoot at me, I will, uh, uh, I will go and kill your wife." And all their families and all sort of stuff. And it's just like, oh my god! Yeah. And he walks out. You sons of bitches. <laughs> and he's just like, oh my God, gritting his teeth in the pouring rain, it flowing down from his hat. Um, it's still, I'm still in awe from the scene that's just happened, the shootout. And, so powerful, you know, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's I, I, incredible. As you said, Gav, it's, I can hear it in your voice, mate. Do you know what I mean? How powerful mm. this is. Do you know what I mean? This value makes you, and it's just incredible filmmaking, isn't it? And storytelling and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's really brilliant. And then, and then Clint rides away in the storm. Mm. And then... Um, Title card at the end. This is where, like you say, you get that bookend, and you? you? get that scene which you saw at the beginning, and then it comes to the end. And I think this is another scene which said earlier, this is how High, High Plains Drifter um, finishes. Right. Is it, or is it just yeah. the beginning? Or uh, no. Uh, um, Paranoid or one of those? It's just the beginning, um, but oh, we still get this beautiful. We still get this beautiful shot, though. It might be the end as well. I don't know, but it still get love this lovely, beautiful shot with a that other text credit come on. But then that's that's the film, and that's yeah. just maybe go right. I'm going to have a Clint Eastwood Western binge. Go um, do it, man. So there you absolutely. go. Absolutely, that, that is unforgiven, guys. Um, as you can hear, in particularly in Gab's voice for this episode, how much this film or what it's done to him, as you know viewing the movie and that so it's a hell of a at the end of the day it's just a hell of a powerful western very true very cool. honest western I would say um, um, yeah especially watching it at our age now it's just like oh my god what's it going to be like when I get to like uh, 55 <laughs> late 6 late 50s and it's around whatever Clint's supposed to be playing in this thing, thing is, you mate, watch it then differently you probably might watch it again totally differently mate. I'll tell you well, what they the not. scary thing is mate 50 ain't too far away mate I <laughs> know <laughs> I don't feel that old to be honest with you but... no, to be honest I don't either I think we're, I think, to be honest we're quite a lucky generation we grew up with the technology devolt, uh, 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 being created at the same time um, yes. and I think we kind of luckily have been on that I think if we're 10 years uh, back further it might be no, I you think know, this is why, look it's one things. of the reasons why I really gelled with your show. You know, when I met you mm. guys at that Carpenter gig and then I listened to your show and yeah. I just thought, it, it, you're just talking about stuff which I can relate to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. You bring it up and I'll go, oh, bloody hell, yeah, that's right. You know, just things well, that you say. We are the, 
Well, we're kind of like the first generation because before this, there wasn't obviously uh, anyone of generation older than us, uh, another 10 years or whatever. Um, movies weren't so much. We, we've grown now with this technology to do Facebook and all this sort of mm. stuff and build, build communities of us, uh, fellow minded people. That, uh, 10 years above us wouldn't have had this no. uh, before. Obviously, now. Um, so, and we've got a certain. Uh, movies we grew up with, like The Escape from New York, etc., etc., et et and that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of cultness oh, gotcha. uh, we're yeah. growing up with. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd be interested because my daughter, she's a massive fan of um, 80s movies, of, you know, because yeah. I've introduced her to them. But um, be interesting to see. Lost, it, yeah. Be interesting to see what it'd be like in the next 20 years to see if people like my daughter when she gets older, whether she'll she'll have nostalgia for films that are coming out now. Just be interesting to see what that nostalgia would be like, you know. For some, probably would um, be really interesting. To see where it all goes. Um, and I do, but I yeah. do, I do believe. I, I, I don't want to sound. How can I put it? But I, I, I kind of, I think we grew up in a bit of a golden age of films. I think there's yeah. blueprints there, you know, especially. Oh with, yeah. I mean, I say this an awful lot, and Dan's probably going to go. Oh, he said it again, John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> But I think John Carpenter <laughs> yeah. certainly laid out a few blueprints, you know, with his filmmaking and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? With yeah, it, like it was it was it kind of grown in the eight from the eighties, really, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, that movie we talked about was amazing. So I'm really glad of talking about that. So the other thing I was going to say, Gav. Um, as... Are we still are we, st- are we still in recording uh, we on the air? Still, yes, thing. mate. I'm still recording. I just wanted to get this one in. So obviously, I just wanted to mention this, mate. That. Uh, you you produced an album called Abstract eighty five, uh, which is well, obviously the actually, music. That for the was show. the name I was going under. Uh, I was co- going under the name of Abstract eighty five, but the music was uh, I can't remember what it's called though. But yes. So um, th- this is the music which is playing in the background now, as listeners oh, you can hear all that. So, yeah, which is when yeah. I put all that in, and it's the intro. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, mate. First of all, thank you for letting me use it for the show, mate. I just I love love using it. There's a lot of people who've I know listen to the show at work. So oh, I like your intro. It sounds really good. Do you know what I mean? So there's a bit of feedback there for you, mate. Oh, brilliant! Um, no, 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 no. So it's um, it's getting out there through bite size. It's become the theme of the show. But what was your? Uh, I'm figuring that John Carpenter was a bit of your inspiration there. Sort of bit of sort of eighties. I um, yeah, totally. I um. You can't because you can't get that album now. It wasn't like on Spotify and all that sort of stuff, but I, it ran out, and it, I just didn't renew it because I had a, a lot of issues came about from it. I, anyway, um, um, it was coming from um, making hip hop over the years and using samples and very basic sort of stuff, that kind of structure. But uh, I've always been a fan of like Kraftwerk and John Carpenter and all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like a, a meddling of those things and. And this resurgence of um, synthwave music with yeah. like, uh, uh, um, what's it called? That uh, Stranger Things, stuff like that. So new and, wave synth, wasn't it, or something like that? Yeah, it? It's, yeah, yeah, synthwave. And um, really just thought, screw it, I'm going to make an album. And I was at a certain point in my life where I actually had a few months of nothing else going on. Mm. I needed something to focus on. And I just banged that album out. Um, but funny enough, I've got a load of new stuff. Well, not a load of new stuff. I've got five or six songs, which I'm s- slowly making a new album. It's about two years making oh, now. Is it? Because oh, um, right. I only sort of go back to it once, so I go, oh, I'll do some music today. Oh, oh you know. Man. This, this, um, this is quite to be quite good. Stuff, 
some of it's on the new show actually on a, at the beginning that yes, song which is the podcast yeah that's your latest episode actually and i did hear a song come on i thought that sounds quite good that, yeah. yeah that's that's from that's one of my new songs yeah. yeah um so i will do some more stuff but yeah john carter was definitely a big influence yeah. as a film and a musician because mm. he's one of those guys you know yeah an author i think they call him don't they the guys oh, sort of jack of all trades and all that but um yeah i was gonna say mate I've, and again you know i've picked up some some stuff from your show as well you know i mean little tricks and um, oh, cool. you know like the backing music and stuff like that i think that's quite nice to have just something in the background whilst you're talking uh, yeah, just think it sort of complements it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I used to enjoy having the film scores when yes, we and yeah. Dan Chalk, mm. but um, it got to the point where we started getting into copyright territory, yeah, and we wanted right. to uh, uh, try and keep it more our own thing. And um, this way, we can if it, if I just write the music myself. So yeah, yeah. and uh, the other thing I was going to mention, Gavi, I know you're uh, you know film di- independent film director. Mm. Um, you got Deadbolt films and all that sort of stuff. So I know you've got um, you've got a new film that you're putting together, haven't you? Is it um, the? I know you did a Nothing Hurt and oh, oh Beyond, Be- Beyond, yeah, Beyond, Beyond. Yeah. We shot that a year ago, the weekend just gone actually, and it was fin- it's totally finished, made. Um, um, because I think you funded actually, didn't you? I did. I, it, 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 Gav, you got me. Uh, yeah. I'm a executive producer on there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Thank you very much. The thing is, I don't really handle money, so I always feel a bit rude when I do speak I'm to people. I'm always happy to help out, mate. I'm always happy to help Oh, no, no, I massively right. uh, yeah. appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got it made in that, but obviously because of the coronavirus, because we, right. yeah, we want to get into festivals, but obviously festivals are mm. in a, like a, a some sort of thing now where we don't know what's going on. So this film's kind of just sitting around, and it's kind of frustrating as hell because no one's actually seen it. We've had no premiere anywhere, but we can't just nilly really just go and throw it on YouTube because that kind of takes away what we were trying to achieve with that film and yeah, bring up as a gotcha. higher level from mm-hmm. the last one. Yeah. So we, we're still sitting on it, waiting for it. But yeah, we finished that ages ago. We are talking about a new... We had a meeting at the weekend. We are talking about a new one. And I've got a script for a new feature called The Woods, right. um, which I'm going to finish the draft this weekend. And I'm really excited to, excited it to be my next feature film that i delve into um it's very folk horror type i was just thing. about to say um, that. I, know, I know folk horror and all that's your thing isn't it it's what you yeah, yeah this is this is this is all right and it's about it's about domestic abuse as well yeah. um it's got it's got it's it's, it's definitely the next baby i want to make I, I can i can see the whole film in my head exactly even the characters what what they're like everything and watching unforgiven funny enough and clint's mm-hmm. character i'm gonna make my lead character like Clint a bit, oh, um, right, okay. because right. and because the lead character in this loses his wife and uh, child at the beginning. Um, so yeah, it was very funny watching that film come to this. But yes, we've got other stuff on the go and beyond. One day people can see it. it's a great, it's a great little short. I'm really quite proud of it actually. Yeah, what are you? Work- yeah, let's get what I've seen so far, mate. With have, you've seen it, haven't you? I haven't. No, no, no. What do you hmm? mean you haven't seen it? You should have had a link to it. Uh, oh my god! Oh, I will I'll speak to you off air. All right, mate. Yeah, don't worry, man. It's fine. I, I am like. I thought you've seen I'm, that. I'm like John McClane when it comes to technology, mate. I'm not very good. Do you know what I mean? Hey, well, <laughs> Something well, to do with that. I might just send you the film, and you can just have. Right, mate. Get, I get a copy of it. I am, mate. I'm podcasting on a wing and a prayer, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, think I, think, I think you're doing really well on your show, man. Oh, so cheers, well man. 
Um, the other thing I was going to say, talking about podcasting, I know you and Dan, uh, just before I guess, uh, I'm having an affair with your uh, co-hosts, you know what I mean? We're, we're sort of, me and him are getting I've it heard. on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> me, it was me, quite me. good because I started up another show and Dan, um, and I, I've been waiting to say to Dan, Dan, I want to start another show and I didn't know how to, so I, how to bring it to him oh, and then he said to me yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 he sort of said to say, oh, oh I'm going to do Roger and he thought the same as me so you don't I was like oh bad. that's alright <laughs> no it, it's, it's been good it's really it's really nice to have you guys on the show because I've been listening to you guys for a while now so it's good to talk to you and Dan and Get it was great movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah. And talking about your show, what's um I know you've just done the aliens. Um what's your next show, man? What you what you next got doing? What you... The next film we're doing is a werewolf special. We're doing Dog Soldiers. Oh good movie. And yeah. and we're doing American Wealth in Paris. Now oh, yeah. before you cool. I see. I was waiting for something. <sighs> I I quite like American Wealth in Paris I'm Jeez. sorry I, really you know I can't knock you man I, I I've seen anybody. it I've seen it in the cinema um, yeah I quite like this film and I I think the CGI is awful uh, but I quite like the film well, I don't but want to sound uh, patronising I don't want to sound patronising but if it's doing something for you Gav I can't knock it mate alright <laughs> yeah, yeah totally I'm, I'm happy do you know what I mean I'm happy yeah um, <laughs> Dan's kind of the same on that, so right. I think anybody that really disses that film, hopefully we might be able to bring you around. So anyway, check right. out for the next episode, which will be 95, of Podcast on Haunted Hill, Werewolf Special. Well, I'll be looking forward to that, man. So yeah, thanks, Gav. Um, That's all right. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. No doubt you'll be coming back on the show, mate, in the future. There's something you want to have a look at, which is possibly non-horror related, because I know you yeah. guys do horror. Yeah. So if you, this is what Bite Size is all about. I do everything so if there's something you want to talk about let me know mate well thank you we can sort of get that on if you know i know i don't i'm, a, <laughs> I'm a anti-social and don't really guest on many shows to be honest with you um right. so so feel feel honored <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah i must uh, i must admit yeah there you go i'm honored yeah it's honored to have you here so thanks gav appreciate that man so no um close the show guys so i hope you enjoyed the show um, as I say, go and check out Gav's uh, podcast, uh, Podcast on Haunted Hill. And that's part of Legion Podcast, which is what well, I'm a part of as well. I'm a proud member of that. Um, you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, several other players on the internet. If you put in Bite Size Cinema um, Legion into Google, you'll find it on there. And also got a Facebook page. Um, so you post anything on there. If there's any films you want me to review, uh, let me know. Um, so there you go guys um, keep it bite size keep it fun and I will see you soon show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast 
Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Go Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.